Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. Have you ever passionately pursued something in your life? Did you know that the Lord is deliberately and passionately pursuing you? You could say He is hunting you down in His pursuit to have a relationship with you. That's the language of Psalm 23 where David describes how God and His love was pursuing after David's heart. You might ask, how does the Lord pursue us? David tells us He does it with goodness and mercy. When we grasp this, it is a concept that will change us from the inside out. So let's join Pastor Jim for the conclusion of his message, The Shepherd Who Pursues His People. Remember, I, I got on a plane and I, and I headed down to the Virgin Islands and I, I sat at a pool and I looked out over the ocean and all of a sudden I was like, oh, he's here too. Knowing that he is pursuing you. And then when you finally come to faith, if you're not a follower of Jesus, please listen to what I'm about to say. When you finally come to faith, what a relief it was when you realize, and there's probably a lot of pain along the way, that's okay, when you realized that it was goodness and mercy that had hunted you down. When you realized that it was loving kindness that had hunted you down. How many of you ever hear people say, well, God's out to get me, God hates me. And you're like, oh no, man. That's the exact opposite of what was going on that's why I like the word pursue over follow. Follow kinds of makes it seem like God is just kind of walking along and like, okay, where are we going next? But pursue is a much more aggressive word. It's a much more passionate word. It's a much more deliberate word. It's much more intentional. Like God had a plan to pursue you. God had a plan to pursue me. That is no small thing to know that God has pursued you and continues to pursue you because that pursuit gives David, gives us confidence that he is truly a child of God. You see, when you begin to experience the presence of God in your life, even when it seems like he doesn't leave you alone, that's how you can know one of the ways you can know that you are truly a child of God. And notice it's all said in the context. Don't forget verse four. He's pursuing me even in the valley of the shadow of death. And don't forget verse five and in the presence of my enemies. That's faith. That's trusting God. But, but not faith in a mere intellectual way. You know how some people go, I believe, I believe. No, this is, this is experiential faith. This is an experience of fellowship. This is an experience of, of communion, of, of relationship with God. This is what it means to have a daily relationship with him. Perhaps if we think about the fact that the word, uh, that the Lord pursues us, it might change a word in this verse, and it's the word surely. We don't use it very much. I might say, if we were going to write in a contemporary American version, 
Instead of the word surely, like uh, surely so, I guess, something like that. Doesn't, it's, not, it's not aggressive enough. We might substitute the word only. In other words, the Lord only follows us with goodness and mercy. Only. It, because goodness provides for our needs and mercy provides for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, they would have known this, but in the way we think, we know words change meaning over time. And so really would have put this in the, in the wonderful, we use the word only, like this is only the way God pursues me. Even if it doesn't seem like it, I have to remember that. I have to remember that. At a time in which we find ourselves living in right now, I'm constantly saying to myself, or I'm constantly saying to Lord, I know that you have a plan. I know I don't have to know what it is. I know I don't even have to like it. But I know only goodness and mercy are following me. I know only goodness and mercy are pursuing me. Now, the, the temple, or in David's time, the, the tent of the meeting, the tabernacle, was also known as the house of the Lord. David's son, Solomon, built the, built the temple. And yet, David says that he experiences the house of the Lord through goodness and mercy. It's like he's saying the experience of being in the house of the Lord is with me everywhere I go because the Lord constantly invites me into his life. I know a lot of people talk about, okay, Lord, we invite you here. Like he needs an invitation to go anywhere. No, I, I like it that he invites us and that's what the Lord wants for you. That's what the Lord wants for me. He wants for all of us a sense of his presence where we are and wherever we go, no matter what's going on, no matter what the circumstances are. Now, I feel sad for some people because this is what peop some people will say. I go to church, like, wow, <laughs> I go to church. Or some people say, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I visit church every once in a while. David says, no, 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 no. I dwell in the house of the Lord. Like I'm home in the house of the Lord. And he says, I dwell there forever. Some versions, uh, or the, the literal meaning of that is for length of days. And so he's just really talking about probably his time here on earth, but there's more that he's talking about that we're going to explore next week. You see, for the history of the people of God, we have to understand that they had, they had the tabernacle, sort of the port of church tent that they had when they were traveling across the wilderness. Then they had the first temple that was destroyed by the Babylonians. Then they, had the, they built the second temple. But, but in the history of the, of the people of God, um, God meant the meeting place, the house of the Lord, to be so much more than just a place. He wanted it to be an experience of his person. So some people go, well, I, I, I go to church to, you know, to, to see God or to meet God. But for the follower of Jesus, that really should be sort of a way we go to as a group of people to express our worship of God. It's not, it's not that we're just going to church and then, you know, that time we have on Sunday morning or whenever you go and, and then we, we live the rest of our lives without God. That's not it at all. You see, in, in, the, in the book of Exodus, 
the people look forward to the land, a permanent home. They're really looking forward to that. You, you see that in the world, like all these refugees that are, I don't mean to use that in a negative sense, but these, these people, it's so sad to see they're, 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 they're just like, we have to get to a better place. We have to get to a place we can call home because this place where we live, it's, it's not home anymore. It's awful. And Lord says to his people, hey, remember you were once strangers in the land too. Don't, don't forget that. And so, and so when the people were going across the wilderness, the, the Lord gave them the tabernacle, the tent, the, the place to personally meet with the Lord. But every time they moved, they picked it up. And, and they followed the, the, the pillar of fire, and that showed them where they, where they, needed, to, where they needed to go. But what does is, what is really it all represent? Home was where the Lord and his people were. That's home. You know, I always think of my home as, as, as where Pam is. You know, and I, I just, you know, I, I love it when I you know, pull into my garage and we have one of those automatic door openers and I see her car there. I'm like, oh, she's here. She's home. That's, that's what home is. In time, under King Solomon, they built the temple, as we're seeing on Sundays in Habakkuk, that was destroyed by the Babylonians. But while the people were exiled in Babylon, they were having their faith stretched. What's one way they were having their faith stretched? They didn't have their security blanket. They didn't have the house of the Lord. They didn't have the temple. But God's like, listen, I'll be with you. You say, well, they were exiled. How do you know he went with them? Well, because we know God left the temple, Ezekiel told us, and he's had prophets down there in Babylon, so God was with his people. In fact, you know, the, the, the temple was symbolic of the place where the people of God and the God of heaven and earth met with his people for them to be with God, with each other, and to worship God. And, but throughout periods of Israel's history, they didn't always have that. And even in, in times of the Christian church, there's been times when, when the, the people didn't have that. They didn't have church. You know, whether they were on the run from the government, when they were, hi, when they were hiding from enemies, well, other times there was plagues and other times people were isolated. There's been plenty of times when they did not have the, the luxury of going to a place where God's people met. But, but that tells us a lot about knowing and experiencing God, that he's not far, the scripture says, that he's near, that we can experience him. Psalm 36, seven through nine, another Psalm of David, he says, how precious is your loving kindness, O God, Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. So that's a place where under God's protection, you experience him. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. But what about when the house was destroyed? We could still meet with God. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a place you want to drink out of, isn't it? For with you, there is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. What's David doing there? He's giving us all a bunch of different metaphors to describe knowing and experiencing the Lord. 
And so David's saying here, listen, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord forever and ever because no matter where I go, I'm actually in the house of the Lord. I'm with him all of the time because he's with me all of the time. David knew, we've seen this already, that life was full of problems and dangers, times of protection and rescue, but also times of delight, also times of joy. And see, for us as followers of Jesus, God wants us to enjoy not only his protection, not only his provision, but he wants us to enjoy the greatest gift of all. And you know what God's greatest gift of all is? Himself. Giving himself to us and for us on the cross. That is the greatest gift of God. So, so dwelling in God's house forever, while it does remind us of eternity, it also reminds us of today. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. And I know because I get lots of emails and texts and calls about it, that a lot of you miss coming to the house of the Lord. I mean, it's actually an interesting thing. I watch people coming in in between services a lot of times, and I'm well aware, and I used to be there before I was a, you know, a pastor on a staff at a church. Uh, it was a little, it's a little different doing that, but I'm well aware that, that when... When many of us come into church on a Sunday morning, it's, we kind of do one of these. <sighs> like, I made it. What a relief. I, I survived an, another week. And it's important for those of us who are serving God to remember that for a lot of people, and this is a challenge for a, for a pastor, trust me, and and. and for us that serve in the church, we got to remember that for a lot of people, this coming to the house of the Lord is the highlight of their week. Or for some people coming in who don't know God personally, they're coming in searching and they're looking and we're like, oh, it's Sunday, another church day. Not understanding that we're inviting them to step onto holy ground. I get it. We, we walk into church and it feels like we escape the world. It, it feels like we come into the presence of God and to be with his people. And we certainly do miss that. It's, it's an opportunity also to, to be satisfied in God and to step into the light. But here's the thing. When we leave the building, if we're doing it the right way, we might leave the building, but we don't leave the light. We might go out into the dark part of the valley, but we don't leave the shepherd. In fact, we want to go out and we want to introduce others to him. And so then dwelling with the Lord is, is much more than coming to church on Sunday. It's much more than living this joyless existence just hanging on until we get to heaven. I know a lot of us want the Lord to return and, and I do, but I'm like the apostle Paul. I'm, I'm torn. I also want to see more people come into the kingdom. So I'm, it's like, I always say my, my bags are packed, but I'm ready to live to be a hundred because I, I know there's so many people in our lives that we want to see come to faith. You know, as Americans, we, 
We struggle with pain. And we talked about before, we struggle with uncertainty. And unfortunately, those things, if we're not careful, can really hinder our experience of the Lord. I'm not saying be fake. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that keep reminding yourself again and again that that knowing God does not mean there will be no pain in your life. Is there a place in our lives when we just can't get over certain types of pain and, and we need to speak with someone who's skilled in helping us walk through that valley? Yes, there is. There is. We call them biblical counselors. But we, we want to keep reminding ourselves, okay, that the Lord is with us and we are with him. And David is teaching us here in Psalm 23 that we can experience the presence and blessings of God even in tremendous hardship, even in great, great difficulty. And and that's often a choice, guys. That's often a choice to see the activity of God, again, Evidences of grace. I keep saying this because I want us to be aware of this. This is often a choice to see the activity of God in the events of our lives and like Jesus to know there's a time for joy and there's a time for lamenting and sorrow and there's a time for anger. But here's the thing about Jesus that was different. He didn't get those times mixed up. He viewed all of those times through the eyes of faith, not himself, and he was sinless, not his sin. You see, that's how he can be on the cross, and they're crucifying him, and he can say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Why? Because he sees the joy of God's plan, and he's not vengeful against them. May, may, may God cure us of some of the ways we see life and, and some of the ways we miss his blessings and, and miss times when he is leading us into joy. Perhaps I think we also miss church because some of us find that it's easier to serve in church. It's easier for us to uh, put aside ourselves for a bit and to serve others in Jesus name. And so see, we always say that's a training ground. And, and I hope that if you're now sidelined from serving on Sundays in the church, that you have become so serving conscious that you can't help, but continue to do that wherever you go to to connect with others, if you will, to bring the house of the Lord to them, to experience the joy of heaven and let others participate in that. And that's just not your Christian friends. Those are other people. You know, we often say they're watching you and these are the times they're really watching you. And that doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. Listen, this is, this is difficult. I'm not saying this is easy. There's a lot of pressure on a lot of people, but yet we have to be able to come back and say, you know what? I just, I forgot who I was for a minute. And I have to remember that I'm a child of the King. You see, I think that sometimes the the joy of the Lord, we have to realize is, is just a slight taste 
of what is to come, sitting with the Lord and experiencing the fullness of who he is. And sometimes I tease the people here. I don't want the Calvary Chapel people to get to heaven and be clueless about what's going on. Like, oh, we don't know how to be joyful. We, We don't know what to do. No, we want to know the Lord. So let's go back to the sheep sitting at the table. But now let's look ahead. Now the sheep all sitting around the table because it's not filled with enemies. It's the table is now filled with sheep who just love the shepherd. The long up and down journey is over. There have, it's been quite a journey. There have been times of peaceful pasture by a quiet stream. We saw that in week one. There have also been times in the dark valley, (laughs) times of being in a fearful place where we long for firm, the firm footing of faith. And there's also been times in the presence of enemies, seen and unseen, but there have also been glorious times in the Lord's presence and in the house of the Lord. Being honored as as a guest at the table is great, but Psalm 23 looks forward to being in Yahweh's house forever. We'll see that his banquet is an eternal one. There's no overstaying your visit. You know, you're like, I think we've been here too long. I think we need to get out of here. You know, you're at a party. You were the first one there and everybody's gone and you're still there. No overstaying your visit. We're always with the Lord. And the cross and the resurrection guarantees for a follower of Jesus a safe arrival into heaven. You say, how do you know that? Because Jesus leads us. Because Jesus walks with us. Because Jesus follows us. And he pursues us because he's our shepherd and we are his sheep. In other words, his protection, his provision, his pursuit is always with us in the ups of life, in the downs of life, and in the ordinary times of life. But that's only for those who have turned to God and put their trust in Jesus Christ. You see, the scripture says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've each gone our own way. And so we need to repent. We need to turn to God and we need to put our trust in Jesus, in his life and death and and resurrection. You see, because here's the reality. It's really hard to trust a shepherd that you're running away from. (laughs) And so maybe tonight you're running from God and you're just like, this is it. It's not going. When people say to me, you know, I feel like I've been running from God. And I'm like, well, how's that going for you, man? And usually the answer is not too good. There's a verse in the, in the old King James Version that says, the way of the transgressor is hard. God's going to make your life hard if you are running from him. He's going to make it very, very difficult. Why? Because he doesn't want you to run from him. He wants you to run to him. See, until you turn to God and put your trust in Jesus, Jesus used the wording, repent and believe, it is impossible for you to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can't say that until you're trusting Jesus and you're following Jesus. 
But if you do, if you do, even maybe now, tonight, if you do, you will be able to say, verse six, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you will know full well that the reason you will dwell there is because the Lord pursued you. And so when you look at the cross, I want you to think of Jesus dying there in your place for your sins. And I want you to think this to yourself. That shows me how much he loves me. That shows me how hard he pursued me. That's why I like the word pursue. It's deliberate. It's intense. It's, it's thought out. And it includes you. The question is, do you want to become one of the sheep of his flock? Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.